the secret no one is talking about is that the federal agencies already have a ton of money. It just wasn't utilized during the last four years. I'm John Manis, investor at Basis Set Ventures, and this is Future Proof. For episode 10, we're digging into climate tech and opportunities for founders created by both the Potential Infrastructure Package and the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act. Let's dive in. Today, we're lucky to welcome three phenomenal guests. Mona Sheth, Senior Director of Federal Government Relations for Schneider Electric, one of the largest energy management and automation companies in the world. Joseph Eaves, Executive Vice President, and Jennifer Storpian, Vice President, both hailing from Lot 16, a bipartisan government affairs and communications firm. Let's go around with intros. Start with Mona. In my current role, I lobby on a range of issues from manufacturing to electrification, resiliency, and so forth. Schneider Electric work in the what I call the electro-industrial space. We primarily work on the low voltage side, so we're behind the meter helping save energy customers. We're in a million buildings worldwide, and we really help with energy management, as well as industrial controls and safety. And so we're helping manufacturing plants become more efficient um, and more connected as well. We were just recently named by Corporate Knights as the world's most sustainable company, of which we are very proud. And we have our own uh, in-house sustainability consulting arm that helps other companies decarbonize their supply chains, helps broker virtual PPAs and PPAs, so there's solar and wind deployment, and has helped save over 20 million megatons of carbon in the past 15 years. Welcome, Mona. Joseph? So I'm an executive vice president at a firm called Lot 16, based here in D.C. The firm was founded just three years ago. Our existing client base is in the energy environment space. Try to help companies figure out Congress. And last up, Jennifer. I worked on both the House and the Senate side. I recently just wrapped up my tenure with the government of Puerto Rico. I headed up their Federal Affairs Administration, so I touched upon a lot of uh, pressing issues for the government of Puerto Rico, and specifically in the energy and renewable space. Mona, why don't you start us off? For founders who haven't been following as closely as we all have, where does the Biden infrastructure bill stand? We think there are two separate pathways in the next few months. So right now, the White House is working with Schumer on a new bipartisan approach. Okay, so the last one fell through. This new approach is going to be with what we call the Gang of 20 Senators, and it's going to be a limited infrastructure plan. There is a lot of controversy over what the definition of infrastructure really means and what it includes. So if you ask Schneider Electric or you ask Lot 16, because they represent also a lot of energy clients, we would tell you that we think that infrastructure includes buildings, that it includes grid modernization, right? If you ask traditional Republicans, they would say, no, it's roads, bridges, highways, tunnels. Therein lies the crux of a lot of this debate. What we know so far is that this new group that we're calling, it's 10 Democrats and 10 Republicans, are thinking about a $1 trillion package. And right now we believe that would exclude buildings and some climate-related provisions, but we think that EV and perhaps grid would be included. We have to remember that within the Republican Party, not all 50 senators agree on the same things, and the most powerful man in America right now is Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia. We're really seeing how that is making this more of a difficult debate. I think that it's really important that there is some sort of a bipartisan bill through this process, because I think the president really does want to show the American people that he's bringing folks together. But of course, 
if that happens, we're not going to be able to get this really transformative and inspiring climate vision that President Biden has come out here and talked about. However, there is another pathway to do so. It's called reconciliation. Um, all it means is that bills that are tied to money are able to pass. We'd like to see a bipartisan package that hits roads, bridges, tunnels, water, some of this traditional infrastructure, but then another reconciliation bill that would just be climate related. If that falls through, then essentially what will happen is that there will just be that limited reconciliation pathway. And Democrats are just going to have to do what they can do, Senator Manchin and whatever it is that he's willing to compromise on. We are hopeful, though, that by the 4th of July, we'll be able to see some kind of transportation bill come through so we can have an idea of what's happening. That'd certainly be helpful. Now, this is about more than just the infrastructure bill. Joseph, can you tell us about some of the other pieces of legislation on the table right now, and what is the impact they're going to have on climate tech founders? So yeah, Endless Frontiers Act, and now it's got a new name, a more complex name. But that was actually a bipartisan effort by Senator Schumer and Senator Young, who really willed this over the finish line uh, as really the first major piece of bipartisan legislation that's come through the Senate. And really what it has done, or what it does, it really gives NSF a whole lot of new authority and capability. So if you guys are looking for R&D money and you don't know NSF, it's time to start to, to know NSF because they're, you know, essentially just got, it's not law yet. And so we'll talk about that. But the Senate is basically saying, but here you go, NSF, here's about $400 billion to do additional research in 10 main areas. They, the bill lists 10 main areas, but it also gives the head of NSF and the federal government the ability to add on new areas. They have high-performance computing, semiconductors, advanced computer hardware and software, quantum information and science, robotics and automation and advanced manufacturing, uh, natural disaster prevention or mitigation, advanced communications technology, biotech, medical technology, and synthetic biology, data storage, data management, anything data, including cybersecurity and biometrics, advanced energy, industrial efficiency technologies, including batteries, advanced nuclear and for anything else, electrical generation, and then advanced material science. Congress was willing to do it because this is all geared towards competing and pushing back on the China technology push that China has been, you know, really doing over the last two decades plus. And so finally, the Congress has decided enough is enough to try to, to respond to this. So in terms of what's going to happen next, with this bill, that's a little bit up in the air. It did pass the Senate. The House is working on its own bill, its own version. And so in a normal process, the House would do its own version, and then they would conference with whatever the Senate, and they'd come up with a whole new bill that everyone would have to vote on again. Uh, the problem with that is no, the Senate doesn't like to take votes because the Senate process is so painful. And so ideally, what would happen is that the House would just take the Senate bill as is and just vote it, vote one vote, and then it would send it to the president's desk and it would become law. So far, it does not look like the House is going to give the Senate that uh, win, if you will, and instead will try to do its own thing here this summer. The House Science Committee, what's interesting about the Science Committee is they have jurisdiction over both NSF and DOE research. And so they're really in this middle in the fence about the Senate wants to give all this new authority to NSF. DOE is already doing some of this stuff. Other agencies are already doing some of this stuff. And the Senate didn't want to make all those hard decisions. They actually had a, quite a bit of uh, battles, and the bill got delayed quite a bit for about a month 
why they work out. Why is NSF going to get all this new authority when we have places like DOE and DARPA and other agencies that can do some of this stuff or who are already doing some of this stuff? At this point in the conversation, I'm guessing most founders are probably thinking, this is all fine and well, but ultimately, how are these different pieces of legislation going to impact my company? And I know the answer is complex and multifaceted, but it seems like one of the clearest answers is increased non-dilutive funding. Mona, where should founders be looking, and what types of companies do you expect to be eligible? The DOE Loan Program Office right now has, is $40 billion in loans and loan guarantees. I actually worked at one point for the director of this loan program office, Jigar Shaw. He's an angel investor in many different companies, and he also um, founded Sun Edison and sold it. So he is an entrepreneur who understands technology and is like in that space and they really wanted to pull somebody that was like actually from the private sector world to lead this office and so the loan program office provides debt financing for commercial deployment of energy projects for smaller projects for research development and demonstration they have five different programs within that and one of them is renewable energy and energy efficiency guarantees. There's also advanced technology vehicles manufacturing. So there's a couple of different programs there that, that I'll put in the chat. So that's one area where the money is actually going out right now and they need to spend it. And they also need like really great stories to make Biden look good. That's one area I would think about for an application because then you're getting supplemental funding in addition to any serious funding that you're raising. Yeah, I think you hit on the dirty little secret right now that no one is really talking about is that the federal agencies already have a ton of money and it just wasn't utilized during the last four years. And especially on climate related stuff, you probably all saw stories of the Trump administration wiped the word climate from all the agency websites that it could find. So there is existing program and actually DOE got more money under the Trump administration than it ever did during the Obama years. Once you take out the stimulus money. And that's mainly because Congress kept on giving DOE lots of money. But the problem was, is DOE just wasn't putting the money out because it, wanted, it didn't want to do the demonstration side. It didn't want to do the deployment side. This administration completely different. They want to do the research, but they also want to do the demonstration and deployment. And so if you have great ideas that can fit under existing programs at EERE or with a loan program, like that's the short term. Like if you're looking for funding in the next 10, 8 to 10 months, there's a, a round of RFI, FOIAs, and funding opportunities that are open and will become open this spring and summer that will get money out the door probably by the end of the calendar year, if not early 2022 in the winter. One thing to keep in mind on the loan program, don't get dissuaded by the conventional kind of description of what existing programs or ways they have used that money in the past. This administration, and especially Jiggershaw, thinks they have a wide flexibility. And so one of his ideas actually that he was saying that would be eligible, basically trying to get a bunch of say like public housing developments together and doing energy efficiency upgrades for them and then using all those savings and using all that control over those appliances to help offset the grid or sell those services back to the grid or vice versa. And that you could get a loan to help up do the upfront cost of that. Or say you're a company that wants to install a bunch of new electric-only appliances into a certain community. You don't get dissuaded by if you're reading the DOE loan program or even the existing other programs, grant programs that you think you don't fit neatly into. They have discretion. If they can make one connection, then you probably qualify. They are looking for innovative, cool stuff around climate because the Biden team is looking to use any tool possible to address climate or to show that they're addressing the climate needs, especially because they're not going to get everything they want out of Congress. So if they can use existing programs to help move technologies forward, that's what they're going to do. 
Please. I was just going to say, building upon that, the NSF funding that will come from this recent U.S. Innovation Act that just passed the Senate, it still needs to go through the, the regular order process, if it may. And so that money won't be able to come to fruition until it's been earmarked or identified as additional authorized funding for NSF, but it's not there yet. And then ARPA-C, which was included in the president's budget, and Secretary Granholm is talking a lot about it and has made it a centerpiece as as she's talking to Congress about what the future funding should be for the Department of Energy. Ultimately, given the conversations that are happening in Congress and with the Appropriations Committee, that might be a program that will, you know, be funded, but it's still in kind of nascent stages, and we don't know ultimately what the dollars will be for those programs. And so that's one of those, stay tuned and we'll all be monitoring because now that the budget has been delivered, we'll be going through the appropriations process. Do you have a sense for whether certain types of companies are going to be favored over others as the government processes through these new pools of funding? The administration is really focused on equity and low-income communities. Everything that's happened with all of our civil justice issues, if there is a way that you can to demonstrate that you would do a project in an LMI community that you would leave into your application or your pitch, that would have a lot of traction. That's a really good point, Mona, because actually a lot of these programs have set aside. Like they have to use 10% of their funds in economically disadvantaged or low-income communities or to right environmental justice wrongs, things like that. And the competition for it might be less because there may not necessarily be as many people who are working in that space. Products or even the software, we're trying to make it as much as possible here in the U.S. Because this administration, Mona talked about giving extra points for environmental justice related projects and ideas. They're going to do the same thing with folks that have more domestic content or more domestic supply chains. And that is not just going to be a Biden thing. I think this kind of really started under the Trump administration. Biden's carried it forward. And actually, one of Biden's EOs earlier this year talked about the need for any federal money to have strong domestic content and Buy America connections to it. So whether you're getting a grant, a loan, or even a tax credit, they want to make sure it's benefiting U.S. supply chains and U.S. manufactured goods. That includes software, too. Super helpful. So I'd like to go through a couple of categories of company types where we're seeing a lot of activity on the venture side here at Basis Set. One of the things we're seeing a lot of is technology that would help manufacturers ramp up production of semiconductors and batteries. We're talking about things like computer vision inspection of manufacturing lines in real time. I believe there's about 50 billion set aside for semiconductors specifically. Joseph, anything more you can elaborate on with this? So you're right, there's about 51 billion in the innovation bill for semiconductors. It's not just for existing plants, because there are a significant amount of semiconductor plants already in the U.S., but that's also to build new ones. The American Jobs Plan's infrastructure or stimulus bill is separate from this kind of innovation bill. Getting U.S.-based manufacturing up and going here in the U.S., not only bringing new, but also updating existing lines to make them more competitive. Senator Manchin and Senator Stabenow, I believe, and a few others, introduced a new tax incentive, I think it's 48C, that would allow companies to invest into new technologies that would help them expand or make their lines more energy efficient or operationally efficient. And so that is one thing I would look out for that is definitely being discussed, especially since Senator Manchin is very interested in manufacturing. I see. 
Mona, what about on the electric vehicle side of things? Same question. The president wants to do 100 billion plus for electric vehicles. EVs are on the negotiating table. Like the number is the thing. It's like, how much are we going to put there? At one point, Republicans were like 4 billion versus 100 billion, which the president wanted. I am optimistic that electric vehicles will make it into some kind of an infrastructure package. Now, what that looks like, it's going to be a combination of things. There's going to be a tax rebate bill. That's at, at the time of sale tax credit for an electric vehicle. There's also R&D money in there for EVs. I am trying to think of some other provisions, but it's like a lot of things that are lumped together to try and accelerate the step change for electrification of transportation in the country. One of the things that we're struggling with is how there would be more EV plants here and sourcing and critical minerals and things around that nature. There is an increased attention around supply chain resiliency and the fact that we're getting like 70% of all of the products of our EVs from China. And so there needs to be a focus on how do we do that domestically. Okay, two more areas. What about agriculture? We're seeing a lot of technology, particularly around leveraging farmland for CO2 removal. Anything those founders should be paying attention to? That is really teed up to be included in the farm bill. That's their main vehicle that they're looking at. If they can hitch a ride on a bigger infrastructure package that happens this year, I think they'll do it. But I will say there's this group in the House called the Problem Solvers Caucus, which introduced their own. It's a bipartisan 58 House members, 24 and 24 on both sides. They introduced their own $1.2 trillion infrastructure, and I want to say there is, I think, $5 billion in their package for natural climate solutions or natural CO, you know, removal type of, of stuff. And lastly, what about companies trying to help shut down or repurpose oil infrastructure? I think I saw some language around abandoned wells, but is that the extent of it, Joseph? The, the president's request was only about abandoned wells. But I think is very open to doing whatever you'd want to do with those. He's using it for two reasons. One, to keep oil jobs up and going while there's a clean energy transition. But then two, from an environmental standpoint, just to make sure things are cleaned up and that these abandoned mines are dealt with in the right way when many of them, as you probably know, are not been dealt with the right way. So I think Congress, especially Mr. Manchin and others, are very well interested in this. Awesome. I I just wanted to extend thank you again to Mona and Joseph and Jennifer. And I know you have a ton on your plate with navigating uh, all this legislation. So thank you everybody so much. Thanks, John. This was a really fun opportunity. Wow, what a wealth of information from both Schneider Electric and Lot 16. It's clear that there's more relevant legislation for climate founders on the horizon than there's been in some time. And between the DOE, NSF, ARPA-E, and C, there's going to be a large number of non-dilutive funding opportunities for startups tackling climate problems. And that's a great thing. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll be posting more Future Proof episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And if you're hungry for more BSV research, check it out at basisset.com.